Welcome to the WAC Podcast. Today's episode is presented by Hercules Tires. And now, here are your hosts, Eric Danner and Kendra Sheehan. Welcome to the WAC Podcast. Eric Danner with Stephen Hinkle, our fill-in this week. Welcome to the show, Stephen. Happy to be here. Actually here for the second straight week after you, my debut last week. You know, the, women's basketball. the numbers were off the charts, so we figured, okay, we got to bring Stephen back. Kendra is at our Swimming and Diving Championships taking place in Houston this week. Uh, and you can watch those uh, each evening on ESPN+. Plus. Also, some additional coverage on waxsports.com slash watch if you're looking for some of the prelims. And that will be uh, tomorrow and Saturday as well before they wrap things up. That's always a an exciting championship. One of the sports we have uh, what we call affiliate membership uh, in uh, as Northern Arizona is the eight-time defending WAC champion and the defending WAC champion on the men's side, Northern Arizona and women's. On the men's side, UNLV is the defending WAC champion as the Mountain West does not sponsor the sport of men's swimming. So we have Air Force, UNLV, and Wyoming uh, participating in the WAC in that sport, uh, some old school uh, WAC wow. membership, if you will. Also, uh, just wanted to, I guess, start on a down note here. Lawrence Fan, the longtime SID at San Jose State, uh, passed away, spent a lot of time in the WAC, uh, got to uh, deal with him a little bit uh, through men's soccer, which San Jose State's still a member of the WAC in that sport. And just uh, a very tragic thing. I know you're uh, SID uh, roots uh, from California, so I imagine you probably passed uh, crossed paths with Lawrence at, at some time or another. Lawrence was really known for his just general kindness and servanthood. Like he was, he made media members look smart. He was excellent at his job, but more than anything else, he was just always a happy-go-lucky guy. And, and that sounds super cliche, and I don't mean to make it that way, but he was just a nice man, and he leaves a legacy that will be felt for a while. And if uh, do you ever have a fan cake by any chance? I never had one. No. Yeah, I, unfortunately, I, I, the, unfortunately, the two of us have allergies that preclude <laughs> us from eating them. But I have heard nothing but good things about the fan. He made probably thousands of fan cakes during his forty-plus years at San Jose State, and that was just the introduction to Lawrence and his kindness that he showed to the media and all those who covered Spartan athletics. That was just a good man. Every single sporting event at San Jose State, he would bake a cake and bring it to the media mm-hmm. without fail, whatever the sport was. So, yeah, he, he truly will be missed. I know uh, Hope Schuler uh, yeah. posted something last night in our office that he had a, a big impact on her and her career as well. So want to uh, pass along our condolences to the folks at San Jose State. We were at the Indoor Track and Field Championships uh, last week in Albuquerque. What a meet that was. With the addition of the the four schools in Texas really adding to the quality of the meet and the competition of the meet, but at the end of the day, Stephen, it was Grand Canyon coming away with both titles. I tell you, it was nip and tuck on the women's side heading into that final day. I mean, there were three, four teams that could have won it. I mean, between Grand Canyon just stepped ahead a little bit more on Saturday to lift them to the women's title. But SFA, Abilene Christian, Utah Valley, all were vying for that title. And that was a lot of fun to watch. On the men's side, you know, you just tip your hat to what the Lopes are doing, you know, in the indoor track side of things. Like, they, they just ran away with it no pun intended, <laughs> uh, on the men's side from Friday then obviously into Saturday. They, they have something special going on. But w- with that being said, I feel like the highlight for me as a, as a track and field fan 
was watch. I hope I'm pronouncing his last name right. Clayton Fritch of <laughs> Sam Houston State. Watching him on the pole vault was just phenomenal. I was like, the height just keep going up and up and up. And, and watching him set that PR and having one of the top jumps in the country at this point was something pretty special to behold. And that, that was the highlight on, on Friday. And then on Saturday, also on a jumps perspective, there were three gentlemen uh, from, well, there was one from Grand Canyon. It was Harris from Grand Canyon, Utah Valley, and then ultimately the champion from Sam, I'm sorry, Stephen F. Stephen of Austin, uh, Sonny Hilton. All of them jumped over seven feet. Unbelievable. It was such a phenomenal event to watch. And only one of them heading into it had ever gone over seven feet in their career. And to watch them all break seven feet and then Hilton come out on top was one of the highlights for me. And then also one of the other highlights was um, Kembo from Utah Valley setting the 5,000-meter record. She won just over mm -hmm. 1640 to set the WAC meet record. It, just a lot of good races and a lot of good field events. Just a lot of fun to be in Albuquerque. It's, it's an exhausting two days. I mean, I, I, I jokingly said, I think, to someone on the way out, that was an exhausting month that, <laughs> that those two days were. But tip your hat to those student-athletes and everything that came out of that. Ended up breaking – two all-time WAC records, and then three championship meet records. So, And with the addition of those four Texas schools, I think it just added to the excitement and, and the adrenaline at the Albuquerque Convention Center yesterday, uh, last weekend. Yeah, that uh, pole vault by Clayton Frisch was our uh, WAC top play this week, and you don't often get to see pole vaults in WAC top play. And seeing those records, I, I mentioned to you several times during the week, I've been in the league for five years. I don't remember seeing any records mm. set at the indoor meet, and I think what we had four total, was it? Or it, three? Was, it was five. Five, five. Oh, five. Okay. yeah. Two all-time WAC records, and then, th and then three of the five that were overall records broken were WAC championship meet records. But, yeah, it, it was there were some fast times and some impressive jumps. And Clayton, I mean, I don't, I don't want to discount any of the other um, – kids that were jumping and, and running but what what Clayton did like that's not something you see on a regular basis for no, sure no and I think he beat the old record by eight inches yeah. if, if I recall correctly and then uh you mentioned Kemboy uh, Utah Valley winning the 5k and I forget who, who finished second they, they also would have it was the Utah the Valley that was as, actually as well. second as well yeah. and then Kelly Mudry uh, from GCU winning the 800 mm -hmm. in a in a whack uh, meet record time and I believe it was Stephen F. Austin's four by four to close out the meet uh, had a record as well. So it was a lot of fun. Uh, great work. Uh, Albuquerque, a great site for the championship. Wonderful location. And uh, you, there's so few places that have indoor tracks. That's uh, part of the thing. We were able to drive down there. So uh, tip of the cap to uh, Tom Flood and GCU on winning uh, yet another uh, two WAC championships. Speaking of two, we're only two weeks away, less than two weeks two away. Two WACs, back Vegas. Whack, I am so excited I can't say it. Whack Vegas. Whack Vegas happening in just two weeks. So uh, only two weeks left in the regular season. Men's basketball. Talk about a gauntlet that New Mexico State is going through. So they played at GCU Saturday night. Of course, uh, one of the toughest places in the country to play. The Havocs were, were out. Everybody was wearing purple. Teddy Allen from Phoenix. Returning home scores 30 points, 10 rebounds. They win that game, I, I don't want to say rather easily, but maybe uh, more easily than a lot of people expected. Then they turn around, and on Monday they go to Seattle U to play a makeup game, a uh, game that had been postponed uh, due to COVID concerns, and they win that one in the Red Hawk Center. Again, a packed house, uh, very, very loud crowd. 
So New Mexico State now in the driver's seat in first place and control their own destiny for the top seed in the WAC tournament. And it's almost like they're they're they have been there in the past, like a couple of years ago. Unfortunately, when Marsh Madness got canceled, they were an undefeated WAC team. Right. And then last year, you know, almost pulling an upset. Like it, this, this, these, this is a team that you do not want to play coming down the stretch. And I, I feel like they're some they're on something of a mission because of things that they weren't able to accomplish in recent March Madness times. And they're showing that they are definitely a team that is ready for the bright lights and the pressure that's going to come with March Madness and certainly specifically WAC Vegas in, in, in two weeks. Teddy Allen just takes his scoring to a different level, This especially on Saturday at GCU. And to your point, I think the homecoming aspect of things certainly played into the factor of him having an outstanding game. But as we all know, while they might be the quote-unquote favorites, once you come into March, anything is possible. Teams start hitting like three-pointers like crazy or, you know, a player gets hot. It's 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 anybody's game. And, and there are legitimately half a dozen teams in this conference who could have come out on top when WAC Vegas starts in, in two weeks, at least at least on the men's side. And, I mean, you got Seattle and then Sam Houston are playing, you know, for a runner-up spot. Stephen F. Austin's right there. And GCU at 10-5 and five isn't, is still in the mix as well. And, and the thing about this year as opposed to previous years, if you're a one or a two, you don't play until Friday. Yes. You're in the semifinals. Yes. You only got to win one game to get to the WAC championship. So, obviously, New Mexico State in great shape there. But we have a tie right now. For second place between Seattle U and Sam Houston. Sam Houston's going to be in our featured game mm-hmm. of the week. That's tonight as we record this on Thursday at Stephen F. Austin. Uh, of course, the the best rivalry, one of the best rivalries. Probably the best, you know, the, new, the, the newcomer rivalry, if Correct. you will. Yeah. But, like, to your point, if, if you can get a double bye and if you only have to play two games as opposed to three or maybe even four games, that makes right. a massive difference because you're not playing four games in like six days. You're just going back to back to back if you if you want to try to win. But it's a lot easier to go just straight back to back from the semifinals and finals. And that's why this this game tonight will go a long way into deciding who was who was one of those teams that gets that double triple by, if you will, and starts in the semifinals as opposed to having to start in a quarterfinal matchup and try to win three games in three days to get your ticket to March Madness. So if, if you are available to watch, and you know whether you're in Texas, Utah, or just a WAC fan in general, the Sam Houston-Stephen F. Austin game this evening is, is definitely one to tune into. Well, if you are in Utah, another one to tune into is Utah Valley hosting Seattle U. Uh, so those, both, those games will both be going on simultaneously. Utah Valley, we've seen especially at home. They beat BYU earlier this year when they were ranked. They beat New Mexico State in at Utah Valley, so they've been very tough in Orem. Now they have Seattle U coming in. This should be a great game as well. And Seattle U needs to win, and they, they had a, a heartbreaking slash disappointing loss Monday night at home, but they can't let their guard down because they, gotta go, they have to find a way to win this game this evening if they want to stay in that, you know, that by situation where they could start in the semifinals because losses now, they hurt, and they're going to hurt a lot more. And going on the road in Orm is not an easy place to play. And the, here's we didn't mention them earlier. Utah Valley certainly is the type of team that, while they don't look that great in the standings right now, mm-hmm. they have the talent to make that run in Las Vegas in two weeks and then, you know, potentially get that whack bid to the NCAA tournament. So, like, there there are legitimately a half a dozen teams in this conference on the men's side 
who could make a serious <laughs> run. And that, that makes it for that makes a lot of fun for lots of fun for fans because it chaos reigns and if chaos can reign you know it's fun to tune into situations like that yeah i noticed uh in uh, in the office here and i'm not sure who got it uh maybe commissioner thornton uh, as he's in here this week uh he had there was a bottle of uh, maple syrup on somebody's desk in the shape of a uh canadian leaf and of course fardaz amac from canada and they have this is their uh, campaign. I don't know if it's an all-American campaign or whatever, but it's the big maple syrup. Yes, in yes. the in the shape of the uh, Canadian leaf. So, and Fardaz Amac having another outstanding year, right up near the top of the nation and rebounding, leading the WAC in rebounding as well. And he's a guy I know last year very disappointed at in WAC Vegas uh, when they played New Mexico State didn't have uh, his best game there and and has kind of used that as motivation for this year as well. I uh, want to also remind folks uh, to stick around in our next segment. Going to have a conversation with Jason Hooten, the head coach at Sam Houston, as uh, they get ready for Stephen F. Austin. So those are some great basketball games to watch. On the women's side, things uh, may be a little more settled than maybe on the men's side. Stephen F. Austin can possibly clinch the top spot in the WAC tonight. Yeah, if, if they win tonight at Sam Houston, they will clinch at least a – tie for the regular season title but a win tonight definitely secures them because they have tiebreakers uh over gcu for the number one seed for whack vegas so a win tonight would assure them of that number one seed and having to only play two games to win them the conference tournament in two weeks they they are the according to the wins and loss perspectives yeah tied for the hottest team in the country 15 wins 15s in a row row. stanford and and stephen f austin both have 15 wins in a row and what Coach Kellogg continues to do with the Lady Jacks is, is really quite impressive. They are nearly impossible to beat at home. I believe their winning streak at home is up to 36 games. Oof. It's 37 in a row. So while they play on the road this tonight and then Saturday at Abilene Christian, you know, they're just a team that knows how to win because, A, they can make shots and score 80 points a game, but they're going to stop you on defense too. They they are among the national leaders in point margin wins. Like right. they, they usually are somewhere around a 20 point per game victory, which is an unheard of number. I don't care what conference you're you're playing in, and they're also one of the top defensive teams in the country. Their turnover margin per game, if I'm remembering correctly, is like 9.8 which ranks them in the top five in the country as well. But they also have scores like crazy. So <laughs> I, it, it, to, to beat them, I, I, I don't say this you know, lightly. You f- have to find a way to hit 55 to 60% of your shots and make a fair number from long range as well because they're just – I don't know how to just totally describe it. They're unstoppable, nearly unstoppable on both ends of the courts, and the, the stats certainly back it up. But once again, <laughs> you know, when it comes to March, anything is possible. Like you get a hot player who all of a sudden is making seven, eight, three-pointers a game. They, they are, they're not unbeatable by any stretch. A team like Grand Canyon could beat them. A team like California Baptist could beat them. Like These teams have the talent to step on the court with them and find a way to grab a victory, even though it doesn't necessarily look like that on paper going in. Like Stephen F. Austin, 
is beatable. But with that being said, it's going to take a pretty good effort from the opponent to get them. One of the things I asked Coach Hooten about in our next segment uh, was getting his team ready to go to WAC Vegas, especially the teams from Texas that have not been there before because, of course, there's the bright lights. There's mm -hmm. all sorts of things going on in Vegas. How do you keep your team focused on the tournament, especially – you know, looking like it's a done deal here that Stephen F. won't be playing until Friday. Mm -hmm. Don't know, you know, when do you arrive? When do you yeah. practice? You know, to get ready for for your, your biggest games of the year. Well, this is a good point too because a team like Stephen F. Austin is going to go to Vegas. For the, for, I'm sure many of these student athletes have probably never been to Vegas, even as a tourist, right. let alone with the mission of trying to win a conference tournament title. So, like to your point, there are a lot of distractions, as we all know, in Sin City. But like, I, I have a feeling that Coach Kellogg is going to have his team locked in, and Coach Miller at GCU, Coach Olson at California Baptist, etc. So, like, w when they do get to Las Vegas, they're going to know that they're on a business trip, so to speak. And if, if you can come out of there with a tournament title, you've not only overcome your opponents, but you overcome the distractions <laughs> that Las Vegas has to offer as well. Yeah, it's uh, and it's kind of the the uh, central point of college basketball that week yeah. uh, because they have the Pac-12 going on, they have the Mountain West going on. I think the Big West is is there now. Uh, and the, the West, West Coast, Coast conference, five are, conferences, right, right before our championship, and usually that Tuesday night. Gonzaga, go ahead and pencil them in or uh -huh. against BYU, whoever they're going to be playing that uh, Tuesday night for the, the championship game. Of course, we're going to be at Mandalay Bay yes. on Tuesday, so we won't be able to uh, check out the that, that particular uh, matchup, whoever Gonzaga is going to be playing. Um, also on the women's side, GCU really uh, stepping into that second-place yeah. role with the win over CBU last week. They've now beaten CBU twice. Yep. So they have tiebreaker. CBU and GCU are the uh, are the only teams that could get into that runner-up regular season spot. Obviously, then the number two seed for the tournament. But GCU holds a pretty big advantage right now, holding two wins over California Baptist. Amara Graham with a big game last week. Right. You know the WAC Player of the Week on the women's side. So they certainly have the players that it takes. You know to hit shots from the outside, play defense on the other end of the court. I've You've seen GCU win grinded out games in the low 50s, high 40s, but they've also won games that are, you know, in the 70s and 80s. So they know how to win on both sides of the court. Like on last week, they beat GCU by almost 20 points, and then they followed that up with a three-point grinded out win, 47-44, if I'm remembering correctly, over New Mexico State. So they know how to win on uh, on either side of the court, whether it's defense or offense, and they can win in a variety of ways. <laughs> so they, they can secure that number two seed, um, if I remember correctly, with a sweep of this week's games. And then they would then have the tiebreaker over CBU and then having only to win two games then Correct, yeah. to uh, claim the WAC tournament title. It, it would be likely they, – they would have a very interesting run of two games, though, because likely they would play California Baptist in the semifinals and then, once again, anything's possible, but then likely Stephen F. Austin in the finals. So we're looking at a lot of purple <laughs> <laughs> coming down the stretch Pur here. Purple rain. We'll have to have – Maybe a Prince tribute at halftime if we uh, get to that point. Uh, speaking of Purple on Purple, our featured game of the week, Stephen F. at Abilene Christian on Saturday. Already talked about Stephen F. potentially wrapping up the uh, conference title Thursday night. If that happens, sometimes we've seen this in yeah. other sports where the uh, the foot goes off the gas and 
you know, you're getting ready for the tournament. Maybe if there's some injuries, maybe you sit some players, those kind of things. Abilene Christian, a team, you know, that, that could potentially could. beat a, a Stephen F. Austin as well, and they'll be at home. Well, and Bella Earl, you know, the most recent freshman of the week in the conference, she's won it twice. But overall, Abilene Christian is a team that is among not only the conference leaders in three-pointers, but the national leaders in three-pointers made per game, which we know is a great neutralizer if you want to pull off an upset. And, it, you know, all of a sudden, if Abilene Christian comes out here and hits 12, 13 three-pointers in a game, you know, that certainly makes things a lot closer than they potentially have been otherwise. And once again, this game's in Abilene. It's, 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 it's not in eastern Texas where Stephen F. Austin really mm-hmm. likes to play. So, yeah, that, that's going to be an interesting game, purple on purple, you know, <laughs> once again. But Abilene Christian, they, they have the players it takes, you know, to pull, pull off that type of upset. And, and to your point, if there is any sort of a letdown, you know, that's the time that upsets tend to happen. <laughs> Baseball got underway this week. Of course, uh, we're mm-hmm. sitting here in Denver, Colorado, where it's been sub-zero most of this week. Single so digits, baby. We're, we're, we weren't necessarily uh, front of mind thinking baseball, but first weekend right out of the box, Sacramento State gets a no-hitter. Colin Hunter with nine Ks. I mean. And a freshman, his first ever collegiate start. <laughs> like, could you imagine being out there? You're just, you're just happy to be on scholarship, Division One level. <laughs> You know, sunny day out there for Sac State, and all of a sudden, like, I, I wonder when he looked at the scoreboard and said, "Oh wait, why is there a zero in that H column up there?" <laughs> and all there it is, like seven, the second, the second no hitter um, in Sac State history. So tip of the hat to Colin Hunter, and obviously then the whack pitcher of the week as well. And then this week already, uh, a couple of Tuesday night uh, mm-hmm. big wins at Grand Canyon hammering Arizona. I mean, it wasn't even a, a close it was six, game. Six-nothing in the first. And Arizona, who came in top 20 in the country, I mean, this game was in Tucson. And all of a sudden, the first inning, it was six or seven-nothing GCU just right out of the bat. And they just kept their foot on the pedal, and, and, and they really took it to the Wildcats. So they're, the, I, I'm sure there was some extra motivation, you know, an in-state rival and whatnot, but that's a pretty big statement made by GCU that, they, you know, they're a team that is going to compete not only in the conference level, but potentially, you know, on the national stages as well. But to that point, that same night, not to be outdone, <laughs> Sam Houston over in Houston Astros Park d- defeats a top five, you know, Oklahoma State team. And moreover, they previously took a series from Nebraska right. the previous days after, before that. So they made their own statement by beating teams that are traditionally on a, a, a national power. So that, that just makes, you know, that whets your appetite a little bit more as baseball, collegiate baseball season gets underway. Hey, listen, I like pro baseball. <laughs> I love going to baseball games, but God only knows what Major League Baseball is doing with their whole lockout situation. Right, right. this might be the... So don't be afraid to tune into ESPN Plus when you can. 100%. Because we, the WAC has shown here early on with these GCU and Sam Houston wins that, you know, they could beat some national powers. And not only that, in, in the sport of baseball in particular and where our schools are located, there's a lot of Power Fives that come mm-hmm. to... Or you're not going to really see that in basketball or, or football, but in baseball you will see... Nebraska come and play a series at Sam Houston. Yep. We've seen Oklahoma State come and play a series at Grand Canyon. So always a lot of good baseball to keep an eye on. And and this year in in the sport of baseball, once we get into conference play, it's it's divisional play. Yes. So it's a little different than than we're seeing in basketball where there's some cross divisional play. There's going to be West Division playing West Division. 
Southwest playing Southwest, and when we get to the tournament, to make that even more spectacular, mm -hmm. that's going to be the first time a lot of those teams face each other. And more of it, we just gave examples of two team wins. Let's not forget about California Baptist, who's also undefeated right now after, right. after beating Coppin State. So, and, and, I, and, and once again, I'm just pulling this off the top of my head. There are teams in this conference that are, are going to give Power 5 teams headaches when they play those midweek non-conference games or even these weekend non-conference games for the, for the next month or so. And it's just going to be real interesting to see what other upsets can be pulled. And to your point, um, there is a lot of respect being had by teams in this conference by you know, the Nebraskas and other schools who can't necessarily play at home right now in those Power Fives. Mm -hmm. they, they have the respect and they have the wherewithal to try to get you know, good games against the Sam Houston's and the GCU's and, and the CBU's. So I tip my hat to those power five schools for coming down South and playing these tough games. In those midweek games, sometimes you don't see the number one pitcher. I mean, they're, they're going to save their, their one, two and three, most likely for Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So it might be a number four starter it might be, you know, a reliever uh, get some innings in. So, so you do have more of a, an opportunity for an upset in one of those midweek games. When that, do you want to switch to softball for a little bit? Do you mind if <laughs> yeah, we talk about that? How about Tarleton starting off 10-0? and 0? Well, 10-0, and 0, and like they have the opportunity to be to set the school record for obviously the best start, which was 12-0. So um, 20, it actually wasn't even that long. It was 2018 they started 12-0. Wow. And, um, and the National Fast Pitch Coaches Association, they were receiving votes for the top 25 just two weeks ago. So, you know, while they may not have been picked to win their specific division heading into the season, according to the WAC coaches poll, they're certainly off to a really, really good start. And one of those wins was over Syracuse, so a Power 5 Correct. opponent. As we're seeing, especially in softball, you see a lot of tournaments early in the year. Not necessarily tournaments, but more, I guess, uh, what are they, festivals? I mean, you're not... The classics. Classics, you know, it's there, you true there you go. tournament because, yeah. you know, you don't go from quarterfinals to semis, et cetera. Correct. Speaking of tournaments... Tip your hat to Grand Canyon and what Coach Hayes is. They, they start the year with five, hosting five straight tournaments. Unbelievable, yeah. And they got a win over Minnesota, another Power 5 right. school last week, who was also receiving votes in the national coaches poll as well. And Coach Hayes is in his first season coaching the Lopes. You know, that that's a team that you might want to watch coming down the stretch. I, I came from a Division Two school, and I, I watched Coach Hayes at the Division Two level mm -hmm. have great success. Now, this is his first year at Grand Canyon. I'm curious to see what kind of success he can you know, bring from the D2 to the D1 level. With more resources, you yeah. know, obviously at D1 and, and Grand Canyon with the spectacular facilities they have uh, for, for all sports, but especially softball. And not to be outdone, I mean, we talk about Tarleton starting 10-0, and and rightfully so. Seattle started 5-0. and Yes. You know, and they're now 7-3 and if I'm remembering Defending correct. WAC champs. Exactly. Like, once again, like, that's a team, like, they, they, they've proven early on that they, they are worth their – early season prediction and Stephen F Austin the, the team picked to win uh their division and, and uh but uh, starting with a very tough schedule they started, as well <laughs> then California Baptist and Stephen Austin played a host of not only power five schools but power five schools that are traditionally ranked. are ranked yeah, in the top yeah. 25 so tip your hat to them you know go through the gauntlet early on and get some experience under your belt and that those type of games 
tend to pay dividends later in the season when you have those ex- that experience under the belt. Losing, you know, is, is never a good thing or it's, it's, it's tough to go through. But, you know, when you go through that adversity early in the season, like I said, that tends to pay your dividends when it comes time for postseason play. The NBA All-Star Game was this past weekend. I watched a little bit of that. Uh, the NBA Diamond Anniversary team, uh, they came out at uh, halftime and, and did the big show. And they this was announced uh, months ago, but wanted to uh, give a, a, a plug for Whack in the Day this week, which comes out on Friday with the tie-ins that we have with the Whack in the NBA Diamond Anniversary team. Tiny Archibald was named to that team. He played in the Whack when they, he was at UTEP. Uh, former first-team All-WAC performer, Elgin Baylor, a Seattle U alum. Uh, prior to the WAC, he was in the 1950s, led them to the Final Four, led them to actually the national championship. Yeah. And, uh, of course, had uh, one of the greatest careers in NBA history. Dennis Rodman didn't play in the WAC, didn't play for a WAC uh, school that's uh, or school that's in the WAC now. Uh, I believe Southeast Oklahoma was his yes. uh, alma mater, uh, but was recruited. The, the reason he's playing basketball is because of Lon Reisman, so if you watch the Dennis Rodman 30 for 30, there's an, act, an actor portraying a young Lon Reisman uh, banging on Dennis Rodman's door to have him come out so he can have him sign at Southeast Oklahoma. Lon Reisman, now the athletic director at Tarleton, was their longtime uh, men's basketball coach as well. So uh, look for that uh, this Friday on uh, Whack in the Day. Eric, your your knowledge of sports never ceases <laughs> to amaze me. I, I, I am thoroughly impressed. I, I am waiting for the I, – I'm not a huge NBA fan, admittedly, but I'm still waiting for the All-Star game where someone scores 200 points. It's, it's I mean, there's not – if you're a fan of defense, uh, not, not, not the game you for watch. you, but what did Steph Curry have, 15, 16 uh, three-pointers? It was 15 or 16 three-pointers. And he's, he's shooting and turning around looking at the crowd. It's – it's, it's, it's pretty impressive to watch. I mean, I was a kid who got cut in 7th, 8th, and ninth grade from basketball, so clearly my basketball skills are very much beneath Steph Curry's level. Well, shout out to you for sticking with it. I tried. Out, it just know. wasn't my thing, apparently. Running is your thing, though. So. No, this, this is true. I, I, I do enjoy the running, which made you know going to indoor track and field last <laughs> weekend a lot of fun. Well, coming up next, we're going to talk with Jason Hooten, the head men's basketball coach at Sam Houston. You're listening to the WAC Podcast. Hercules Tires is the official tire of the Western Athletic Conference and for more than 65 years has been providing tires with unbeatable quality at an unmatched value. Whatever the vehicle and whatever the terrain, Hercules Tires invites you to ride on our strength. For a retailer near you, visit HerculesTires.com. Eric Danner now joined by Jason Hooten, the head men's basketball coach at Sam Houston. Coach, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Coach, the name of the show is The Road to Whack Vegas, and each week we're getting closer and closer, only a few weeks away now. Uh, give us an assessment. Your first year in the Whack, obviously, when we talked to you uh, during the basketball media days back in October, is it what you expected the league would be like this year? Oh, I think it's everything that we expected it uh, to be. I mean, it's been a really tough league from top to bottom. Uh, you know, the travel has been unique and different than, you know, what we had experienced over the last, in my 11th season as a head coach in the Southland. You know, the Southland is more of a bus league, and you know, I think we've flown more this year than we ever have. And uh, so it's been different in that aspect for sure. But I just, I think the overall coaching and the, the, uh, the talent from top to bottom 
has been has just been really really challenging and uh, just a great league. It's been a really good basketball league and very competitive. Coach, let's go back to when conference play first started. Uh, right around the first of the year, you play non-conference. Went five and eight uh, during your non-conference late, but you did schedule a number of uh, Power Five schools, and then you get into Western Athletic Conference play, and it seems like you guys kind of hit a switch. All of a sudden, uh, things started clicking. Is that a fair assessment? Well, I think it is a fair assessment, but I also just think that there are a lot of you know intangibles to that. Number one, you know, whoever fixed our schedule in the preseason, um, you know that uh, that that coach, whoever that was. <laughs> uh, did a poor job of scheduling for sure. Uh, and that, that's me. I was taught a long time ago that, you know, that the most important thing is your schedule. And so uh, I didn't do the best of job, but I guess looking back now, you know, maybe that preseason schedule is what has prepared us for this league and why we're in the position that we're in right now. Um, but I also just think that that's kind of our teams over the years, you know, for one reason or another, I think we've just kind of continued to get better and better. And hopefully we're playing our best basketball at the right time. And then I just think also just new guys, you know, you look at now in the world of basketball and with the portal, you know, I mean, we had five, six, seven new players this year, lost player of the year from last year. And it was trying to put a lot of moving parts together and a lot of new pieces. And I think sometimes that takes time. Well, one of those guys that came in, Savion Flag. This guy has been a uh, uh, human highlight film. Uh, we saw a great dunk he had last week, but he can also step outside, hit the three. I got to imagine he's the kind of guy that's going to be in conversation for WAC Player of the Year. Well, I, I think the most important thing in all of that is the person that he is. Uh, it's just been an absolute pleasure to coach him because on a daily basis, he's just such a great Christian person who comes in and works hard and has a great attitude and. You know, uh, I just challenged him this year to be a, to be a leader and to be himself and not to be a guy who feels pressure of coming in and, you know, trying to put this whole team on his back, although statistically he has done that at times. But I just uh, I just have had a great time coaching him. Um, you know, I hope this thing ends the way that we all want it to for him and for our team. Um, but he's a fantastic talent and a fantastic player. And I know a lot of coaches can say that about their student athletes, but I think, again, going back to what I said in the beginning of it, just the person he is and, us, you know, us just being able to coach a guy like this will be something I'll always remember and treasure. Coach, as we sit here with two weeks left in the regular season, you're 12 and three tied for second place. And in the tournament this year, it's a little different where uh, than, than in past years, at least in the WAC, where top two teams get a bye all the way until Friday, three and four get a bye until Thursday. How much, scoreboard watching, yeah, that kind of thing are you guys doing right now? Um, you know, I mean, I would sit here and probably be lying to you if I told you I didn't watch a little bit of that game last night. And maybe, you know, when we get on the bus after our victory Saturday that we're not looking, you know, and watching that Dixie game. I mean, that, that's I think that's just the fun, right? That's a lot of fun to do those kind of things. But at any point in time, have we looked at, you know, um, that that's controlling what we're doing. And I've told our guys all along, you know, you only can control what you can control and that's your team. You know, we, we can only worry about right now that game Thursday at Nacogdoches because if we win that game, uh, there is another domino that falls, right? And now there's another area where, okay, well, you can only be this, this, and this seed. 
And so I think that's what we got to do. We just got to concentrate on that next game. I know that's coach talk, but that's realistic for us and our program. And then after that, you know, after Thursday, then the next game that we can control is the one on Saturday. And, you know, I just always feel like when you do that and your team plays to its best, that usually everything will work itself out and it'll get, you know, you'll get to where you need to be. Well, you mentioned that game Thursday night in Nacogdoches against Stephen F. Austin, your arch rival, the Battle of the Piney Woods on the hardwood, if you will. Coach, tell us what that rivalry is like. We know a little bit about it now in the WAC as far as football goes, but tell us what it's like in basketball. Well, it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's, it's um, you know, when I came from Tarleton as an assistant back in 2004, I'll never forget maybe the one of the first times that we played a game, I wore a purple tie because obviously Tarleton's purple. And it's really, really hard to find purple ties, just like it is hard to find orange ties. So I wore one of those and, you know, these people were going nuts. They were like, what are you doing with a purple tie on? You got to get rid of that thing. And I just guess maybe at that point in time, I started to realize what this rivalry is really like. Uh, It's a lot of fun. You know, in all honesty, it hasn't been the most fun for me because they've pretty much beaten us. Um, way more than we've beaten them. And, you know, that's, that's been hard uh, to, that's been a hard pill to swallow, but uh, you know, I got a lot of respect for Kyle and, and I think he has a lot of respect for me and, you know, our two programs uh, have, have always had really good games and tough, tough matches. I mean, even our first game here this year, you know, I know we won by eight, but that was a one or two possession game that was an absolutely knockdown drag out and, you know, I expect Thursday night will be the same thing over there at their place. That will be our WAC featured game of the week, 6.30 p.m. Central Time on ESPN+. Plus. Coach, you mentioned you're an alum from Tarleton, got your start there uh, under Lon Reisman, uh, the AD now at Tarleton. I, I, I know you say you take one game at a time, but that's who you end the season with. Is that uh, Does that have a little more gusto for you being an alum and uh, being able to face the Texans on the other sideline? Well, it was, you know, again, uh, trying to be honest, which I usually am. I mean, that game when we went there was, it was pretty, pretty weird for me. Um, You know, that was a place that, you know, I cut my teeth and, you know, not as just a player, but also, you know, as a coach. And, um, you know, Coach Reisman is a person who means a lot to me in my life. Uh, You know, I'm where I'm at today because of him. And, you know, he taught me a lot about this game and a lot about, you know, coaching and life. And, and uh, so I have a lot of respect for him and a lot of gratitude and, and I'm thankful for all the opportunities that he gave me. So going back there, it was one of the first times I've been back besides maybe a few reunions here and there, but to be in the, on the court and on that sideline and on the other sideline was, it, it was different for me for sure. And, you know, our team didn't play their best that night. You got to give Tarleton a lot of credit. They were, they were better than we were that night. And, you know, that was kind of the game where we got it going. You know, we went over to Abilene after that one and won on the buzzer, and then we took off after that, and we've been really good. So, you know, that game will be – it'll be our last game. It'll be senior night for, you know, three of our guys uh, that are actual seniors that don't have any eligibility left. And, you know, I don't I don't think that one will be any different. Maybe that one the first time was, but I don't think from here moving on, uh, it won't be. I think there'll be regular games for me now and not any real added juice or any type of added, um, you know, anything else added to it. I just think maybe that first one was, 
Um, and after that, now it's just a, it's another game and another school that's in our conference. Well, this will be your guys' first trip to WAC Vegas here in a few weeks, uh, playing at uh, Mandalay Bay on Tuesday and then the following days at the Orleans Arena. Coach, uh, as far as getting prepped for that atmosphere there, uh, there, there's a lot of things going on in Vegas always, all the time, but uh, it's kind of it's championship week. You got the Pac-12 Mountain West. There's a lot of basketball fans in the city. How, how do you get your guys ready for a situation like that? Oh, gosh. Um, I, you know, I again, I haven't even really looked that much forward. Um, you know, we, we've, we've been very blessed this year and had a team that has been real cerebral and locked in to moments and scouting reports and focus and things of that nature. So, I, you know, I don't think our guys are going to get caught up in, Ooh, this is a trip to Las Vegas. I think our guys at that point in time, when it gets here, you know, I think our guys are going to be locked into the fact that we need to go over there and try to find a way to win that tournament. And, you know, maybe now, you know, maybe if we're blessed and fortunate to be playing on Saturday evening or, Saturday and we win that thing on Saturday, then maybe, maybe it'll be hard for me to keep them in on a Saturday night after winning it, but not, not, you know, I just, we just have been really focused and locked in on travel and we've, this team has traveled very well this year. And, you know, I, so I'm not so much worried about that. I do think it's exciting. Um, you know, I, you know, when we heard, um, that we were playing our conference tournament in Las Vegas. I think that was exciting to our players. And but I also think that was exciting to our fan base. You know, I do think we'll have a good, a good group of people that'll travel out and, and, and come support our team and come watch us, um, you know, because it's neat all the way around, right? It's our first time in this league. We've been blessed to have qualified already for the conference tournament, um, which is something that we always want to do. It's one of the staples in our program. And then, you know, to be able to do it in Las Vegas, it's, it's pretty cool. I mean, Nothing against Katy, Texas, but, you know, we went to Katy every year and that was almost kind of like a home game for us. Uh, you know, people just got in their car and drove an hour and, you know, now we got to get on an airplane and we got to, you know, fly to the to the sin city of the world. Well, Coach, I want to thank you for taking some time out and good luck the rest of the way. No, thank you for having me and we'll look forward to seeing you in Las Vegas. Thank you. So a big game for Sam Houston tonight on Thursday as they face Stephen F. Austin and with Seattle U playing Utah Valley also on Thursday night. Uh, really big games in the whack as we head down the stretch to see who's going to be the number two team and potentially the number three team in WAC Vegas. want to thank Stephen Hinkle for jumping in today uh, as our co-host and also want to thank Coach Hooten for joining us. Thanks for listening to the WAC Podcast. Thanks for listening to the WAC Podcast. Make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And check out our website at WACsports.com.